Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Rich Andreski. He is Bureau Chief for Public Transportation with the Connecticut DOT, and Dennis Zielinski. He is Public Transit Administrator with the DOT. Good morning to both of you, gentlemen. Good morning. Good to be with you. Good morning. Rich, for starters, give us a status report on how public transportation is doing in Connecticut during the pandemic. I'm guessing ridership is down, but by how much? Sure, Aaron. Uh, you know, public transportation in Connecticut, we move 84 million people on the railroad and the bus system every year. Uh, ridership is down, but not as down as much as some might suspect. Uh, bus ridership now is down only about 30%. So we have 70% of our riders still riding public transportation uh, uh, on the bus side. On the rail side, it's a little bit of a different story. Um, we are down right now about 80%. Um, although a lot of a lot of the riders within Connecticut are still with us. So the ridership that we've lost is really the ridership to New York City. Have you seen those numbers rebound since the, the depths of the pandemic? Absolutely. Uh, at the low point, uh, our bus system was off about 60 percent uh, and rail was down 95 percent. But uh, we've, we've since seen a rebound. That rebound started back in June. Now, even though ridership is down, these are essential services for many essential workers who, who have to get to work to, to do their jobs. Well, that's the story of public transportation. It, it's absolutely essential. The people that many of the uh, customers that use our buses and trains um, have to go into the office or their place of work. Uh, they don't have an option to telecommute. Um, the, these are lifeline services. And let me point out, too, it's not just for commutation. Uh, many of our riders use bus system, bus service and rail service to reach medical appointments, educational opportunities, uh, even grocery shopping. So it's abs- absolutely essential. What sort of precautions are being taken on mass transit to help guard against the spread of COVID-19? Now, we've got a great team at the DOT and our service partners around the state. Um, we've done lots of things. Um, some of them are obvious. Uh, you know, our vehicles are being cleaned uh, routinely, uh, disinfected. Uh, we're asking all our customers to wear masks. Our bus operators and train crews are mar- wearing masks as well. Uh, we suspended fare collection for, for some time uh, to reduce the handling of cash. 
Uh, we've even, where we have the option, we've gone to rear door boarding on our buses. So these are some of the things that we're doing to just, uh, oh, and let, let me point out, and, and I know my colleague, uh, Dennis, is particularly proud of this. The, the, um, we've maintained full weekday service on our bus system. And what that's allowed us to do is create space for social distancing. Now, Rich, tell us a, a little about how things are, are going among passengers on mass transit. Are most of them more than willing to, to wear a mask and, uh, and abide by the, the safety guidelines that have been put into place? You know, for the most part, uh, everyone's willing to help out and do their part to keep uh, their fellow uh, customer uh, passengers safe. Uh, unfortunately, over the last uh, month or two, we've seen a little bit of a relaxation where people are feeling a little bit maybe overconfident. So what we're doing is getting the message out that, look, the pandemic isn't over. Keep wearing those masks. That's, this, until we have a vaccine, this is the one thing that we all can do to keep, um, keep those infection levels down. And one of the interesting things that has happened during the pandemic is this shortage in change. And I'm, I'm guessing this might be more of an issue on the buses than the trains. But ha- has that affected your operations at all? Aaron, how do you mean? Could you? Could well, you... there's there's been a shortage of, of change, you know, pocket change ah. that a lot of, you know, retailers and banks have reported. Are you seeing that on mass transit as well? Ah, so yes. Uh, in, the, in the case of our bus system, as I mentioned, we've suspended fare collection. So that's a, a, a non-issue at the moment. Um, on the trains, uh, many, many folks uh, prefer to use credit and uh, credit cards and debit cards as well as our mobile app. So in, in, uh, no, we haven't, we haven't seen that uh, impact our service. Have you done any forecasting about what the next six months or a year might look like in terms of ridership? You mentioned there is there has been a rebound. Do you see that continuing? Well, uh, that's to be determined. We we, we work with um, our counterparts around the country. Uh, we're talking to um, particularly our, our partner agencies in the region and. The feeling is that until we have a vaccine and until businesses fully reopen, uh, we're probably not looking at normal ridership. Um, keeping in mind that uh, many companies are permanently, or I should say semi-permanently shifted to telework. And the, qu- the big open question, Aaron, is whether those businesses return to business as usual and ask their employees to come back uh, after COVID is behind us. Dennis, I know you are the bus guy. How how heavy a lift has it been to maintain regular weekday service? Well, it was it's been a, a tremendous lift. Um, most of the rest of the country, most of our peers were frankly unable to accomplish that, and um, it's been it's been a yeoman's task. We've had weekly meetings with all of the providers statewide. We have had tremendous teamwork in distributing masks and other um, other necessary uh, cleaning. Um, things we've had. So it's been a tremendous effort on our, on our behalf. And we really feel confident that it's part of the reason why our, our, um, or the main reason why our ridership is rebounding as well as it is. And it's one of the reasons why we're very optimistic that as we move out of COVID, our, our, um, our ridership will rebound rapidly as well. We really believe that because we've been reliable throughout this entire process, that um, that folks will continue to come back to us. Dennis and Rich, remind us about all the things that have to happen behind the scenes to make 
mass transit work? I know we think about the drivers of buses and the engineers and conductors on trains, but that's just the tip of the iceberg to make things run on time and and run safely and effectively. The logistics of public transportation are challenging. Uh, We, um, our first concern is always public safety and the safety of our drivers and our train crews. So that that has been the focus, um, making sure that they have proper uh, gear, uh, but um, also making sure that um, our fleet is being maintained appropriately, that we're sanitizing vehicles, our, our facilities are being maintained, stations and, and bus hubs, and, um, and, and then funding. Uh, funding has been um, a big concern of ours. Uh, it, it costs, as you would imagine, there's a substantial cost to running a public transportation system. And with the loss of fare revenue and riders, um, that's creating a budget gap for us. And fortunately, right now, we're using federal money to backstop that budget gap. But that fund, federal funding will run out sometime next year. And, and we have uh, um, grave concerns about, about the future financial solvency um, and ability to support the essential services that we provide. What sort of budget hole has developed? Well, right now, uh, as I said, uh, the budget gap is being uh, backfilled by our our uh, federal aid. Um, it costs about a set about eight hundred million dollars in total uh, raw expenses every year to operate public transportation in Connecticut. That's bus and rail, and that's before fare revenue. So um, it's an eight hundred million dollar system. That's bus and rail. Uh, right now, uh, we've virtually lost just about all of our rail fare revenue and bus revenue. Um, but that's that's a temporary condition. Um, you know, bus fares will resume shortly. And uh, as rail ridership comes back, we will begin to see the revenue come back. As you mentioned, a, a big part of that lost revenue is, is fares that you aren't collecting going to and from New York City. And we've all seen the reports of fewer people commuting into the Big Apple. What do you make of these trends with more people telecommuting and, and maybe looking for a place in the suburbs? Well, um, you know, we've all lived through different uh, eras and, and experiences. Um, there's There's nothing quite like the COVID-19 pandemic. But I remember there was a lot of prognostication following 9-11 in New York City. And the, the thinking at that time, and I was a very close, I was working across the river in New Jersey. And I remember everyone thought, well, that's the end of the city, right? Um, folks aren't gonna wanna live in high rises. There, there's um, obviously people are just not gonna wanna do that anymore. Um, and, and that was completely untrue. What we saw was the biggest economic boom of our lifetime happened after 9-11. So, um, you know, I think I think the jury's still out on this question. Um, you know, for now, people are moving to the suburbs, but I do think cities have a certain energy and excitement. And I think uh, young people in particular are going to want to go back to the cities. Now, before the pandemic, you had launched the Hartford Line rail service between Springfield and New Haven. You had rolled out a mobile app. You had the, the kiosks. You had put a number of new stations online. Uh, it, it seems as if that service in particular was kind of just hitting its stride and then the pandemic hit. Ha- has that kind of changed the trajectory of of mass transit expansion plans in Connecticut? Uh, not, not quite yet, actually. We're, we're in the midst of evaluating. Um, first of all, we're reaching out to customers to ask them, are you coming back to public transportation? And um, 
I think what we're hearing is that uh, assuming COVID-19 is in the rearview mirror, many riders do plan to come back. Um, and I also think that, um, remember, uh, public transportation serves many purposes. So although commutation may change, you know, the, the need for people to travel for work, uh, there's many other reasons people use public transportation. So, yeah, we're, we're optimistic. I'm, I'm personally optimistic that um, public transportation will again thrive. We just have to, at this point, take a little bit of a wait and see attitude. With that in mind, do you have much hope that there will be additional federal dollars to keep things going as you wait for that bigger rebound? Well, um, I, I think the answer is we're not in this alone. Um, Connecticut is, is our system here is one of many across the United States. Um, there's strong, broad bipartisan support in many places in the country. So I think, um, I think we'll be advocating together with our peer agencies around the country for more funding. Um, look, we got We got to survive here. We have to allow public transportation to survive because we're going to need it once the pandemic is over. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Rich Andreski. He is Bureau Chief for Public Transportation with the Connecticut DOT. Also joined by Dennis Solensky, Public Transit Administrator with the DOT. Now, Dennis, one of the things that you have been working on, even way before the pandemic hit, was a pilot for autonomous buses on CT Fast Track, the busway between Hartford and New Britain. And they're in the process of of making these brand new buses just for Connecticut and outfitting them with autonomous technology. Tell us about this pilot. Uh, prior to COVID, uh, the COVID hitting, we wrote a grant to the Federal Transit Administration as part of one of their discretionary grant programs to begin operating automated buses on the CT Fast Track. Our goal is, was and is to study um, a couple of different um, um, attributes to buses that we think we can improve on using automated technology. The first of which is, is uh, platooning. Platooning is the opportunity to have buses back to back driving down the road with the front bus being the only one that has a propulsion system. And what it allows you to do is during peak service, when there's lots of people riding, you basically have one string, long string of vehicles, two vehicles um, traveling down the road. And, and it allows us to, when non-peak service comes, it allows us to remove one of the vehicles either send it back to the garage or send it on to another route and then have a smaller vehicle operating during non-peak time so that we don't have to have large vehicles operating during non-peak service uh, with, with, in, with, with the perception of not having enough riders on them. The second thing that we're studying heavily is precision docking. Precision docking, um, our, our guideway for most everyone who's ridden it has a platform that the bus pulls up to similar to a rail line. Um, but e unlike a rail line where the, the, the train automatically approaches because it's on tracks at the exact same way each time it gets to the platform, on a, on a bus rapid transit system like ours, the driver has to physically pull the vehicle in um, to the platform. And naturally, uh, our drivers do an excellent job, but naturally each driver, you know, human nature is that they approach it in a different pace and a different angle and things like that. And so we're hoping that um, that that our our pilot will allow us to study these two um, attributes that we have, and, and, it, and there's a there's a significant amount of interest nationally 
about this as well. Um, and, and other attributes to autonomous vehicles on the guideway. And so we have a pilot that we, we again applied for prior to COVID. Uh, we've been ramping it up now that COVID has mitigated some, hopefully for good. And, um, and we're very excited about it. They're the first ever vehicles of their kind in the country. And we're blessed to be able to bring them here to start them in Connecticut. Now, how does this technology differ from cars that can, you know, park themselves in, and stay in their own lane on the highway? Well, of our main concern, is, as Rich pointed out earlier, is safety. Um, the number one concern that we have is making sure that we introduce this in a safe fashion. All of the vehicles will have a driver behind the wheel capable of taking over at any point in time. The buses will run under automated mode on the guideway. But then when they get, when we come to downtown and, we, and they go through Hartford, the driver will take over, um, drive them through, through the small loop that we make in Hartford and then back onto the guideway where the vehicle hopefully will be, go back into autonomous mode. But the driver stays behind the wheel the entire time capable of taking over or making any corrections to the vehicle necessary while it's in, while it's, in its process. So it's similar to perhaps an, an airliner where the, the pilot's in control at takeoff and landing, but once you're cruising at 30,000 feet, you let autopilot kick in. I think that's a perfect analogy. Now, back to the idea of platooning. When you have one bus after another, it's only one bus that's actually providing the, the power for both of them to go, so it's kind of like a train set? In this particular case where we're studying it, both vehicles will have power. But we're going to study the bus following the other one closely, and, 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 and the eventual goal is to hopefully have exactly that, the, only the first bus providing power. What's the timeline for these autonomous buses to be ready to, to roll on the, the guideway? Well, as you might imagine, we're still flushing that out because this is the first time they've ever been produced. We're expecting to have the vehicles here in our area between a year and a year and a half operating in our community. There's a significant testing process that they have to go through in order to be put on the guideway themselves for safety's sake. But we're hoping within a year, you'll be able to see one uh, here in the community being tested. Then we have a lengthy testing process scheduled and how well the vehicles in the process that they make it through the testing process will, will determine uh, when they make it onto the guideway. Now, these buses are being built just for Connecticut, right? Absolutely. Um, we, have a, we have a strategic partnership that we've arranged with one of the premier bus manufacturers in the country. And that partnership also involves a company out of Baltimore that does a tremendous amount of, um, of autonomous work with the military. And so they have partnered with us, in addition to several other partners, to put together the first buses um, in the United States. We're, we've, we're ordering three. The first bus will be produced um, at, the, at the manufacturer's plant, and it will be shipped to Baltimore, where the, um, where the autonomous technology will be put on it. It'll be tested and then brought here. And the next two will actually be produced at the factory with the autonomous technology on them. So presumably preparing for others in the country to be able to order them later and begin um, opportunities of their own. Now, Rich, it seems like this is an example of even moving forward when it comes to mass transit in Connecticut, despite the challenges of COVID-19. Are, are there other examples of that as well? 
Absolutely. We, we have a, a culture of innovation. Um, Dennis and I very much believe that we need to continue to evolve and adapt. Uh, we have seen what I'll call a, the beginning of disruption in transportation. A couple of years ago, we saw the emergence of Uber and Lyft type services. Um, there's uh, obviously what's going on with automation. And then there's electrification. Electrification is the transition of internal combustion engines to battery powered vehicles. And that's, that's happening uh, in the personal vehicle space as well as public transportation. So um, there's a lot of excitement uh, right now about what's happening. And uh, we at the DOT are embracing change. It should be noted, these buses that are being built for fast track are electric, right? That's yes. correct. They, they'll be fully electric. Correct, Dennis? Yes, that's correct. Now, if you had a, what else is on, on the top of your, your wish list, Rich, not considering the, the pandemic, you know, if, if, uh, if, if it had not hit, uh, where would you be going in terms of mass transit? What improvements would you like to make? Well, we're, we're listening to our customers and, and certainly taking um, the cue from our governor. Um, governor Lamont has, has made it clear that, uh, it, you know, we need to do more to speed up our, our train service. Um, right now, it takes uh, a good two hours to get from New Haven to New York City. Um, that's just far too long. Uh, we need to find ways to speed up the railroad, and we're doing just that. We're going through a rigorous review of every mile of railroad and looking at ways where we can eke out a few minutes here, a few minutes there, and then looking at ways to make that train time even more productive. Uh, trains and buses, I'll say. Um, you know, if you're going to be riding public transportation, you, you can uh, get lost in a good book or go online. And so we're looking at more amenities, uh, Wi-Fi, um, power charging uh, for your mobile devices. Um, so these are some of the initiatives that we have underway right now. I know 5G is in the cards for the the Metro North corridor between New Haven and, and, and New York City. Where does that stand? That doesn't actually require a lot of changes to the trains, right? It's more the technology that runs along the line. Yeah, we're really fortunate. We have such a great partner in AT&T. Uh, we have the other cellular carriers too, but AT&T has really stepped forward and been looking at uh, service gaps. Uh, where in the ne their network are there gaps? And Believe it or not, even in even in densely populated Fairfield County, there are places where it's tough to get a cellular signal. So um, that those efforts are underway, and we hope within a matter of a few years, uh, customers will see much improved connectivity, either via cellular or via on uh, Wi-Fi onboard the trains. And in our final couple minutes, just let's go back to the, the pandemic and mass transit. If if people have maybe been away from the bus or the train for a while and they're thinking about coming back, what should they know? What precautions should they take? What should they bring? Riding, you know, public transportation is safe. I will start by saying that. Um, there's this uh, impression at the outset of COVID that public transportation was to be avoided. And um, I'll, I'll play that logic out for you right now. A Connecticut among the nation has some of the lowest positivity rates um, um, for COVID-19. And yet we have 70% of our bus riders riding public transportation every day. So I would assert that if, if public transportation were a, a way to get, uh, get sick, that we, we wouldn't be among the nation leading in terms of our infection rates. And um, 
So public transportation is safe when you take precautions. Wear the mask, keep socially distant as much as possible, and we'll do our part by keeping the vehicles clean, keeping our stations clean, disinfecting, and making sure um, you know we have the operational uh, protocols in place to make sure the public is safe. Has it been a, a challenge to get bus drivers and train engineers and conductors to to show up for work, or have they just been you know coming in ready to go with the, the proper precautions? They are extraordinary individuals. They're uh, you know we uh, in our industry we call it heroes moving heroes. They've done an extraordinary job, kept the service running throughout COVID-19. Um, it's been great, and that's true on the trains as well as the buses. He is Rich Andreski, Bureau Chief for Public Transportation with the Connecticut DOT, joined by Dennis Solensky, Public Transit Administrator with the DOT. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Our pleasure. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.